My name is Greg Surratt, and I, I used to go to church here. For those of you who are new, uh, I am the senior pastor, which just simply means I got here first. And I'm on about a 90-day timeout. I'm about halfway through that right now. And my timeout isn't because I've been bad. It's to write a book. And so that has been an interesting experience. If you've ever written a book, I thought it would just be kind of... I had an ideal, an idealistic view of it. It's hard work. And uh, we're about halfway through. If you want to know what happens halfway, read Nehemiah. That, there's a good story in there about what happens halfway. So I covet your prayers and uh, appreciate you guys uh, hanging in there with it. Now, uh, I, I need to welcome the campuses. You guys, I'm glad you're here. Um, wherever you are, it's just good to have you. Uh, is it warm enough here in Charleston for you guys? Is it warm enough? Yeah. I don't know how it is where you guys are. But listen, it's been kind of fun connecting with some of you guys in the campuses on the city. Um, the, if you aren't connected on the city, you need to get on just because uh, it's our social networking. It's how you keep up with stuff. And I'm trying to analyze what campus is the most tech savvy. And uh, that's what you do when you don't have anything else to do. And, uh, you know, you're not writing messages for the weekend. But I think it's Greensboro. I really do. Now, there's a cheer going up in Greensboro right now. Manning, you guys got it going on too. Uh, but it's kind of fun to interact with everybody on the city, and so I hope you're there. Now, today, it's my privilege to introduce one of my friends. It's one of the things I like about the summertime, is I take a little bit of time off, and we're able to kind of share uh, our our speaking with uh, uh, some friends, and I want you to meet the guys I hang around with. And today, I'm going to introduce you to Dino Rizzo. Dino is going to be sharing the one prayer message. We're in a one prayer series with about, I think, 1,200 churches from around the world, about 700,000 believers every weekend. And Dino's one of the most popular speakers on it. He'll be speaking all over the world by video. And, and I asked him to come here live this weekend so you, you could just kind of meet him and rub shoulders. Uh, what, what can I say about Dino? Dino lives, he, he actually grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So he is our missionary to the Cajuns. And uh, he's a big LSU fan. Oh, well. Um, he's got a great family and just a, a really a neat church. I've spoken there, I don't know, two or three times. Yeah, incredible church, about 10,000 people, multi-campus. Uh, they have 10 campuses, but they have them uh, outside of the United States. They've got campus in Mozambique. In fact, one of our missions teams a month or two ago uh, medical mission teams, about 35 of uh, doctors and nurses and, you know, all, all kinds of medical people went and uh, worked in their dream center in Mozambique, kind of got acquainted there, and uh, just just a great, great deal. Um, Dino, Healing Place Church, they call it Healing Place Church, uh, a healing place for hurting people, and uh, they have such compassion. In fact, <laughs> Our friends, those of us who know him, call him Father Teresa because that's just that's just who he is. I mean, when Katrina came to uh, the New Orleans area, Dino was the guy that was the point man for you know most of the aid that went on. And he's written a book called uh, Servolution: How to Create a Servolution in Your Church. That's become kind of a manual for churches all over the world in caring for their communities, caring for their cities. 
Uh, Dino's my buddy. We, we met about 10 years ago. We created the ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. We've told you guys about that. We plant churches. Almost every Sunday, there's a new church being planted in the United States uh, by the ARC. Some of your money every week goes toward planting new churches because that's the most effective means of evangelism that, that we know of uh, here and around the world. And uh, we've had the privilege of planting about 175 churches, 165, 175 churches together in the last 10 years. Awesome guy. I want you guys to give like this huge, like South Carolina welcome to one of our native sons, Dino Rizzo. Will you do that? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's good, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. That's great. That's great. Wow. Man, I'm coming back to South Carolina. I get booed in Louisiana. Uh, it's great to be here at Seacoast and, of course, be a part of all the campuses and all the environments that Seacoast is a part of. It's just an honor. I just love this church. I thank God for Seacoast Church and, and the model that it's been able to be for us uh, as a church in reaching people and caring for the poor and making a difference in families' lives. And so... We just love you. You have a heart for other churches, whether we plant churches together, Greg and I, and you as a church, along with all the other art churches, or your heart for dream centers. We have dream centers, and, and just being able to see the things that are happening through the dream center here in Charleston, this area, is just extremely cool, because I believe it's, I think it's amazing when a church decides to walk into a community that other people are walking out of. I just think that's like Christ. I just think that's so like Jesus, and I believe God blesses a church when you you make a decision to sacrifice like that. I know that comes right out of the heart of your pastor for people. And so we're excited about that. We appreciate the partnerships uh, in Africa. We do some things together through Jason, Jason and Josh and some of the others here. And so it's a, it's a neat opportunity. And I just want to say thank you for your heart for Haiti and all the stuff with clean water. And you've thrown resources to that. You've put people to that. One of the reasons why I think we've been able to really get some good traction along with some churches is because of the leadership of Seacoast as it relates to Haiti. Right after the earthquake, one of the first persons that I talked to was Seacoast. And y'all were already moving forward. I mean, immediately just responded out of your love and out of your care for people. And so I just want to thank you. Been been there a couple times to see those precious people and what they've been through. So thanks so much for being a church that believes in over-the-top giving, a church that believes in sacrificing for others that you may never even meet, that they're with it, worth it because they're valuable to God. So we just love you. We love this church. I, I love your pastor. He's much older than me, so I learn a lot from him and just his expertise and his eldership and, and his senior years of his life right now, the twilight years of his life. He's really given us some of us young guys extremely young guys and so you know he's able to tell us about the church in the 50s and 60s and so it helps us to relate uh when you when you you know so but uh, i so value uh pastor greg and just he is and i want you to know this about your pastor he is not only a great pastor to this environment uh, but he is also a pastor to pastors there are literally hundreds and thousands of pastors that look to greg that look to him for leadership for integrity for genuineness uh, for longevity, and he's a model to our staff, and anytime he's in Baton Rouge, it's just a win for us uh, as a church because of what he's able to deposit in us 
as a people. So we just thank you for letting your pastor be on loan. And the book that he's writing, I know it's going to help thousands of people as well as help build churches. And so we're just grateful for a church that's able to release your pastor to make a difference in the kingdom. And so we're grateful for that. And we feel like sister church. To be honest with you, I love speaking at a place that we feel like we're in relationship and we're just kind of cousin churches. And uh, so I send you, I send you blessings from all your Bayou friends. And when you got Cajun friends, you got good friends. Because if you get, you get, you get broke down in Louisiana, your Cajun friends will take care of you. They rally around you, come in their house, sit on the couch, use their toilet, all that kind of stuff. We ain't scared. We're all about it. And so we, we never met a stranger. We're all over. So we've had a, a crazy year. LSU sports has been up and down. I know South Carolina sports have been mostly down, but we've had up and down. Uh, come on. Who would have ever thought you'd have heard the word Super Bowl, champs, and New Orleans Saints in the same breath? miracles and then of course with Katrina that continues to be in our context uh, still a, a mark for us but then also the oil spill and that's got a lot of things happening in our state with the fishermen and some of the families in south Louisiana and the, the eyes of the world will turn again to the little old state of Louisiana so I wanted to bring you something from the states so I, I was trying to bring some oil they wouldn't let it on the plane uh, I tried to have some tar balls but they wouldn't let me pack that here but I did bring some pralines and so I'm going to give these out some of you didn't get breakfast but you need sugar in the morning just to survive see some of you are caffeine fiends some of you are sugar fiends and so kind of get you so I brought pralines I'm going to throw them out don't be scared like you don't like free samples some of you know you go buy chick-fil-a twice and kind of get one and come back by and sneak another so we ain't scared to get some free samples around here so i'm gonna throw some out i'm not responsible so if i hit somebody it's your pastor's fault he invited me come on where you at where you at heads up i don't want to hit anybody so right there come on let's see our hands are looking up oh, oh he kind of bobbles it come on right here good good oh good catch good job good job good job probably tell you how they make pralines you take everything sweet uh in the kitchen and you put it in a pot and you heat it up. This is going to be a long throw. You feeling strong? Okay, let's bring it. Let's bring it. Let's fr- freeze back. Where you at? Where you at? Good hands, my man. They, they need to enlist you in, in some areas. But you take everything sweet. You put it in a pot. You heat it up. And you pour it out. And you got a praline. It's just kind of how it works. Long throw. Long throw. Where you at? Help me. Help me. Help me. Okay. I hit somebody the other day throwing something in church. First time visitor. Hit her right upside the head. With a Dasani water bottle. <laughs> Didn't even move her hands. Hit her right there. Mark of Dasani. I don't know if that's biblical. Okay, good job. There we go. So, hey. And, and, and since we're cousins, we're friends, I brought some family pictures. Get to know one another. How are you doing? Your people. We your people. So I brought some pictures from your family, some of our family. Let's show some. Let's check it out. There's my daughter right there. How we do stuff in the dirty south. Deep dirty south. There we go. Church, dinner on the grounds. Healing place church. It's biblical. The Bible says greet each other with a holy kiss. We're all about it. Let's see what else we got here. I love this. This is so cool. Because in Louisiana, you can get your tires changed and you can buy scripture. All at the same place. We just love it. What else we got here? There we go. Warming up the baptismal tank. One of our elders. Check it out. Look at that. We healthy in Louisiana. Organic food. Healthy people in the South. Check it out. Little car alarm action. Security team. I'm bringing him. High rise. It's one of our parsons. Look. Man. That's one of the Surratts. That's Jeff before he lost weight. 
Tell by the hair on that brother's back. All right, that's great. That's great. So, just a little love from the Bayou State. You're crazy in Louisiana. Uh, honored to be a part of this series, Unstoppable, talking for a few minutes about the unstoppable love of God, the unstoppable love of God. I just thought through it. I just said, Lord, what would you want me us to contribute to the conversation in this one prayer series? And I just looked at the things in my own life, what has impacted my life. And the one consistent thing that has been the most un- impacting thing in my life has been the unconditional love of God, the unconditional love of God. I came to Christ when I was 18 years old. And for the last 26, 27 years, the unconditional love of God has been the most consistent thing. Now, let me tell you what's interesting about when you, when you get up and say you're going to talk about love. A lot of times people can yawn through it. Oh, the love, it's love. It's not Valentine's Day. I mean, it's love. And, and, and it's so simple. It's just so simple. I have found out that some of the most simple things are the most powerful things. And even though we may think we know about the love of God, a lot of times it's the most understood attribute of God because we compare it to the love that we experience in this world that sometimes looks nothing like the love of God. As a child, we learn, yes, Jesus loves me. And then we grow up an adult and we just doubt the love of God. So I want to talk for a few minutes about the unstoppable love of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this amazing church. Thank you for what's happening at every campus. I thank you for our pastor and all the things, God, that you're doing in his life to make a difference around the world. And Lord, we just pray right now that you'd speak to us. Help us to decrease so that you'd increase. And and Lord, we just pray, God, that it's not by power of might. It is so by your spirit. It is by your spirit. So Lord, we just pray that you'd be here with us and help us. We love you so much in Jesus' name. And everyone said a good amen. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, look at the person that was your second choice and tell them, you need a little church. I'm going to tell you right now, you need some church up in your life. Uh, last Sunday night uh, after church, after our, our, our weekend services, I had a guy invite me out to one of our, our prisons called Angola Prison. Angola Prison is the largest landmass prison in America. It's 22 miles across. Uh, it is one prison that has nine camps in it. You see documentaries on it. There's books written out. There's movies that have been portrayed out of Angola prison. Uh, it's about 7,000 inmates there. There's about 900 free people that live there that run that somewhat of a city. And uh, I was invited out to be a part of a church service on a Sunday night. They were doing a monthly gathering and they've been asking me to come out. And I, I go to some of our prisons in our state. Uh, Louisiana per capita has more people incarcerated than any other place in the world. Not just our nation, any other place in the world per capita. Many of our communities are ridden with fatherless uh, situations because 60% of the 18 to 24-year-olds in some of our parishes are incarcerated. And many of our children are being raised by, by grandmothers. And so uh, I was, of course, I said, yeah, I'd love to go out to Angola and be a part of what's happening on that Sunday. And so I went out there. I've been there before, but never took a tour of the place. It was just in and out. So I went out there, and he said, I want to take you around a little bit to show you some of the, the, the prisons within the prison. And I was able to go, and we, he said, I want to take you after we saw someone. I want to take you to the death chamber. I want, I want you to go to death row and take you to the death chamber. Have you ever been there? I said, no, sir. And um, to be honest with you, it messed me up walking in that death chamber and seeing where people had, had crossed over to the other side and, and paid for their crime and, and, and the violent people that had been in there. And, and then he said, let's, let's walk through death row. 71 men on death row in Louisiana. 
And he said, I want to watch, I want to introduce you to some of these men. I want you to pray for some of these men. I went from cell to cell praying for many of the men there, many of the men that are known, some of the men that are not known, many violent crimes and horrible things. And he was saying, as we would go to one cell to another, how this man had done this and this man just had a bad day. This individual 30 years ago did something he regrets. And and so I left there and I just couldn't shake it. I went to the chapel service and there were men there and we had church and it was long church. I mean, a three hour service and I preached several sermons and re-preached sermons and got done. And the guy was like, man, that was quick. I preached like an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, they ain't got nowhere to go. I mean, so preach on preacher, preach on, bring it on, bring it on. So Literally, they want you to go as long as possible. And so we got done. We had prayer with some of the precious men at the end of our service. Later on, I stood with um, some of the men that are lifers, men that had been there 30 years. One man had been there 47 years, incarcerated when he was 16 years old for one bad day, one bad decision. Other men were there that were violent. They you know, had a life of of repeated crime, and so prayed with these men, was leaving, and I said, Chaplain, tell me about this. Tell, walk me through this. My mind, my spirit, my soul is in turmoil. Talk me through this. And, and we started talking about the mistakes, and, and I said, what's the common denominator? Tell me what you've learned out here among these men. Uh, and he said, here's what I've learned. He said, now this is not an excuse, nor is it a stereotype statement. I'm just going to give you what my view of, of something out here. He said, most of the men that you talked to today, most of the men that you prayed for tonight, they never experienced or had the love of a father. The love of a father. I said, talk to me about that. What do you mean by that? He said, we call it the minus love factor. We need to know who is in the minus love factor that we're trying to help here and we're trying to get them through the day. As I thought about that, I, and I left there that night, I, I just couldn't shake the whole idea of the minus love factor that many of the men there never experienced, never received. So therefore, since they didn't receive, they couldn't give it. You know, and I know that out of nothing comes nothing. So if there's not been love there, if there's not been the love of the Father, how can they express that? And how do they understand that? As I, I, I left there, I thought about all the men behind the fence who had the minus love. And then I started thinking about all the men that I know that are not in prison, that are not incarcerated. They're friends. They come to our church. We do life together. We play ball together. We work out together. We go hunting together. We go fishing together. That are not in a, in a cell, but yet they have the minus love factor. Men that, and, and families and, and young men and young ladies and, and marriages that have the minus love factor. And the difference that love makes and the difference that the absence of love makes in someone's life. Out of that, it's just kind of maybe turn to Scripture and say, Lord, what is the answer? What is the answer for the minus love factor in the world that we have today? See, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 describes for us and tells us and writes to the Corinthians who are very smart pretty spiritual, but yet he talks to them about the thing they've got to get a hold of, and that's God's love. You find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 8. I want to read this scripture to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A lot of times you hear that, and you think of, well, it's read at a wedding, but it's more than just for a wedding. It's for life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll read a few verses to you about God's love, God's unstoppable 
love. If we speak in the tongues of men and angels, verse 1, and have not love. This is a verse that's really made me think. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have L-O-V-E. I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, is not rude, is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Paul's describing this love of another kind. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres love never fails drop down to verse 13 and it says now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these paul's talking to smart people paul's talking to people that have had spiritual experience matter of fact they've even walked in some type of spiritual gift or spiritual understanding but he says you line it all up And the one that's the the tallest pillar, the the tallest tree in the attributes is L-O-V-E. It's top on the list. Now, when I think about this, what does that mean to us? And what do you you, love? I mean, love can be described, love can be defined a lot of different ways. There's books, there's poems, there's songs, there's movies. Which love are you talking about? Which which part of love and which, which idea of love are you describing? Paul is describing the simple, unconditional love of God. So where do you find that at? You find it in the life of Jesus Christ. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul knew exactly what it was. He knew exactly where it came from. And so what he describes for us is what we call agape love. That's God's love. Now we have a lot of different types of love. A lot of people say this and do this and and express that way. But the love that we find in 1 Corinthians, which I believe is the unstoppable love, which I believe is the love that makes a difference in someone's life, is the agape love of God. That means unconditional. Uh, Break it down again. It means it will give and then turn around and give again. Uh, it's not uh, easily offended. It's, it, it's a love that keeps loving even after rejection. How about this? It's a love that will love not to get, but to give. See, so much of our love is about getting, getting, getting. I will love to get something. The unconditional love of God is it's just truth. It just, it just gives. That's God's love. That's the Son of God. He is love. It's the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts. It's the unstoppable love of God. I got married 21 years ago to just my sweetheart in Bible college. Uh, she's just, she's a little Cajun. She's, she's been church all her life, holy, small little thing, petite little thing. Our church calls us Beauty and the Beast. I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know why they would call her a beast. I'm offended by that. It irritates me that they would put her in that light. But uh, I mean, she's a little thing and she's, She's been, she's been in church her whole life. She's never done nothing wrong. I think like when she was nine, she drank too much Kool-Aid and kind of OD'd on some sugar. But other than that, I mean, holy, sweet. I mean, the darling of our church. When I saw her, she got off of an elevator and it just was like, whoa. I was in Bible college and it's slim pickings. If you know what I'm saying, come on, help out a brother. Slim pickings. Come on, Greg. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, she got off the elevator and I was like, whoa, 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 time out. Where'd she come from? She was 
working as a senior in the school, doing like a, a work after school thing. I was like, who is that? And so I, I began to pursue her. I, I chased after her. She played hard to get. She still does. She still thinks she's it on a stick, even right this second, right now. And so, I mean, I, I, and here's what happened. I fell in love with her. I'm going to be honest with you. I know it's hard. I'm Italian. It's hard to tell you this. I fell in love with her before she fell in love with me. I was in love. She was in like. Heads up. You need to know the difference. You need to know when you're in love and the other person's in like. Because if you go for love and they're going to give you back like, you are stuck like Chuck. Because you... I mean, you don't want to go to, I, I love you. I love you. Thanks. Not what I was looking for. I love you. I oh, endless love. That's great. Can we get coffee? You don't want to say, I love you in here. I like you. That's just, I mean, er, er. So I went to tell her one time I loved her. She said, if you're going to tell me what you think you're going to tell me, I don't want to hear it. What were you getting ready to tell me? What's up? I don't go play that. But later on, I could tell that she had been awakened to the beauty and to the, to the, to the total package. What's up? So on July 4th, 1986, I looked at her and said, I got to tell you something. I got good ears. Shalom. And so um, I said, I got to tell you something. I love you. I love you like crazy. And she said, um, that could be her calling me right there. And so she, she said, um, little, little thing, she said, I love you too. What's up? Look, Kenny G in the background. It's fantastic. Why? Because when we said that to one another and we meant it and we counted the cost and we bathed it in His will, His purpose, His desire, those three words changed everything. The game changes when it happens. The presence of love will change anything. The absence of love will change things also. It will change things. I want to know all about it. I, I want to learn it. I've not, I'm not, I want to learn what it means to love with God's love. I want to receive it more in my life, and I want to give it more in my life. I'm 45 years old. I'm... I'm I've got a 16-year-old daughter now. It's important that she understands what love is. It's important that she understands the Father's love. And she's 16. I mean, she's driving. It's wearing me out. It is wearing me out. She just started driving three weeks ago. I mean, I stood in the park. I never forget standing outside, Greg, and gave her the keys. I was like, "Ah." prayed over her, gave her a speech. I just love you. I release you. She's like, give me the keys. I mean, she got in the car. I was like. (sighs) 
She pulled out. I followed her. For real. I followed her to school the first day. All hiding. I love that little girl. I love my... I, I, I want her. She's growing up. So as, as I've processed this, I, I've tried to understand, what does it mean? What does the unstoppable love of God mean? I, you know, three simple thoughts. Here's the first one. The unstoppable love of God is crystal clear. It is not muffled. It is not distorted. The love of God, the love of Jesus in your life and through your life is crystal clear. Now, the verse we read, verse 1, gave us an illustration. It says, if you say you have love, but you don't live it, if you have words, but you don't have life, if you talk about it in public, but you don't have it in private, if you act like you're, you love in, in maybe church, but you don't do it, it went, on, on Tuesday, if, if, you, if you just say it, but you don't live it, it says you're like a clanging cymbal. So I brought a little illustration. I brought bananas. Now, bananas is a little creepy. I'm telling you right now, some of you will have nightmares. It's just kind of creepy. But here's the illustration. I want to make the point. Here's what the Bible says our love is like when it's not authentic or genuine. It's not legit. It's not true. It, it's, it's not consistent. It says it's like this. That's what our marriage is like. That's what our, our, our small group can be like. If we say one thing, if we say something to someone's face, but then we talk behind their back, if we judge somebody in a way, if, if we just think we're all it and we're better than everybody else, and you, you go to coffee with someone and you just kind of, but it's not true, it's not legit, there's an agenda, there's a messed up motive, then it says this is what comes out. But could you imagine, hey... That's what they hear. Now, I don't know about you, but it is irritating the fire out of me. That's what happens when our love is not unconditional love. When it's conditional love. The Bible says we're like a clanging symbol. See, you and I are not supposed to walk around and have Christian noise. We're supposed to have something clear. People today in the world that we live in need a crystal clear sound of God's love, God's truth, of the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. They don't need it muffled or distorted through an inconsistent life. So here's the first thing I've learned is that the love of God is, is crystal clear. Here's the second thing I've learned, and I think this is so important because I think it, it, can, it can help us as, as individuals. The second thing about the unstoppable love of God is that it will never fail. It's for real. It will not fail. When everything else fails, the love of God will not fail. The love of Jesus, when everything failed, the woman caught in adultery, the love of Jesus picked her up. When everything failed, blind Bartimaeus, the love of Jesus, picked him up. When everything failed, the woman with the issue of blood, she tried everything. It was the love of Jesus, the love of God that came through when nothing came through. When everything else walked out of her life, the love of Jesus walked into her life. 
As a young pastor, when we started our church, we just started with a handful of people, just 12 people. And, and it, we, we started to grow. And there was a lot of demands as a young pastor. And I remember just kind of just getting overwhelmed and getting a little frantic. I'm a touch ADD. I know that shocks many of you. And so, you know, I was just a little scattered. And, you know, oh, oh, I get a little frantic. And I remember sitting down with a pastor who was, was older than me. And, he, and I remember just going, I just need some help. I started asking him, have you ever just kind of started pinging a little bit, just asking random questions? You're jumping around. Oh, He's just like, son, love the people. When you don't know what to do, love the people. Okay. Love the people. What did he discover? He discovered that the love of Jesus at the end of the day never fails. Trust it. Love people with God's love. Love them with God's truth. Love them with God's spirit. And I'll tell you the last thing I want to talk about, about this, this, this simple thoughts about God's love, that it, that it's crystal clear, that it never fails. And I tell you this about the unstoppable love of God that is found through His Son, Jesus Christ, is it is the greatest force on the planet. There is nothing that even compares to the love of God when it settles in a human heart and it invades a relationship. See, it will stay up late, pray when everyone else is asleep. It will forgive even when it's been wronged. It will be so, so patient, even if it has caused or you have caused me to suffer. It will notice what others don't notice. It will hear what others are not hearing. It will see what no one else sees. It will go, it will sow, it will sacrifice over and over again, like in a dream center like in a medical outreach, like the people that cannot repay you, it will continue on and on and on. In a neighborhood that everybody else walks in, it continues to walk through. It will believe for the future even after there's been failure. The last thing that I believe somebody needs to hear today is it will never, ever, the love of God will never give up on you. Never give up on you. Never give up on your child. Never give up on your life. Never give up on your journey. This past Thursday, I had a lady come and see me, just a young girl, young lady, 26 years old. She said, can I come in for counseling? I said, sure. And so we brought one of our lady counselors in, and myself and this lady counselor sat and talked with this precious little 26-year-old girl. That's a three-year-old daughter, single mom. Looks like our daughter. She began to weep. And what she began to tell me was one of the hardest counseling sessions I think I've ever had in 27 years of ministry. And she began to cry. She couldn't quit crying. And she finally said, Pastor, about a year ago, I went out one night and just did some things I shouldn't have done. And uh, I got behind a wheel of a car and my best friend jumped in the car with me. And I don't know what happened. I blacked out and we got in a car wreck and my best friend died. And here I am, 26 years old. I've lost my best friend. I have a three-year-old daughter. And I'm facing about 18 years in jail. Worst case scenario is about 30 years in jail. And my lawyer has told me that I will go to jail. I don't know if it's going to be seven years, 15 years. And she just began to weep. And I looked at her and I began to think about the consequences of, of just a bad night. And the consequences of a moment. And about the family that's lost a daughter. Here, this is a daughter. That's, they're going to lose her too in, in, in some sort of way. And, and, and not minimize them, anyone's pain. But I just started trying to sort through all this. And she sat there and just began to weep. 
And she said a couple of things to me. She said, here's the worst of it. It's not the jail. It's, it's not something. The worst of it is I don't feel valued. I feel no value at all. No one will ever love me. No one will ever want me. No one will ever want me to be theirs. I feel no value at all. And our, our, our counselor next week, she began to say some things, to encourage her and sort through some thinking and this and that. And she kept crying. And finally, I just said, can we just pray? I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I was thinking of my daughter, Greg. I was thinking of McCall in that situation. I said, can we just pray? As I began to pray for her, I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered something to me to tell her. And I said, baby, let me tell you something. God Almighty loves you. He loves you the day before this wreck. He has loved you the day after this wreck. And His love will not fail you. You know what she was thinking? She was thinking that God's love had failed her. And that love had failed her because in life things had happened. And I wanted her to know that no matter what she had done, God Almighty loved her and cared about her. And no matter what the future looked like, the love of God could sustain her through it. It's the same for her. It's the same for you and I. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. And Lord, I thank you that your love has not changed. Lord, just the thought that there is nothing that we can do to make us ever stop, you ever stop loving us. Lord, sometimes that is hard to understand when we have done things where we feel unlovable. Lord, there's even, been, there's even been moments in our life where someone said, I love you. They didn't come through. They said, I love you, and then they walked out. They said, I love you, and they turned around. And such pain, such pain as I opened up my heart. Lord, I pray for every person in this room who feels like love has, has failed them. I pray right now that you would let them know that your love for them has never changed. And I pray that over the next few minutes they would receive the unconditional love of a Savior. A Savior. That there be healing in hearts that have been broken. Healing in hearts that have been wounded. That the minus love factor would be addressed in a supernatural moment over the next few minutes. Shed your love all across this room. Pour out your love. Pour out your love on every heart. In the name of Jesus.